We each hold a unique place in this world, complete with our own dreams, culture, and perspective. It is the individual stories of those I meet along my journey that shape the way I see the world. I'm so excited to share these stories with you, and I hope they allow you to fall in love with humanity as much as they have for me. Welcome to This World My View. I'm your host, Liana. Today I want to introduce you to Silas. Silas is a friend of mine here at home that I met through jiu-jitsu and uh, comes over occasionally and challenges me a lot in chess games here and there. And uh, just a super cool guy that I'm really excited to get to introduce you guys to. So Silas, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, our chess games tend to <laughs> go in your favor more often than not, but yeah. yeah you, you successfully <laughs> frustrated me last time. That's that's the goal. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we are coming to you from a local pizza spot here. So we got some nice background sound going on. Some local 90s tunes or whatever's happening yeah, here. Yeah, this is my preferred genre, as you could probably as you probably know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So anyways, I've been uh, kind of pestering you a little bit to get you on here. So I'm super excited. Silas and I kind of been following each other around other podcasts somebody has one of us on and then the other one's on and then vice versa absolutely absolutely yeah and then you kickstarted yours and i was super excited and then you had me flipping tires and i disappeared for a bit <laughs> forced you so, into a leg day one of your favorite days no, usually and, no. and here we are yeah but yeah so thank you for being here but yeah so i have a series of questions that i work through with all of my guests they're all aimed at getting to know you, your perspective. There's no wrong answers because this is your life. And it's pretty much just a chance for everybody listening in to get to know who you are, what's important to you, and uh, how you view the world. Oh, so. that's fantastic. Let's let's kick, kick it off. All right. So we jump right in with a doozy, as what everybody tells me. But first one is, who do you define yourself as? Hmm. Yeah, this is when I was perusing the questions before. <laughs> I, I saw that. I noted that. That was a tough one. Um, I think I would define myself more as like a, a warrior in a garden um you know my my history you know i was i was a marine for about a decade um got out of the marines accelerated through school as a veteran accelerated through the corporate world as a veteran uh still give back to my community but i'm a very docile uh person with very minimal variances in my emotional state but you know i'm very cool collected um but if push comes to shove, I mean, I still train, I still shoot, I still do the things that uh, I, I, I honed over the last, you know, decade, that decade mm-hmm. in the Marines. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's how I would define myself as, is a warrior in a garden. I love that. Although that's I really don't have cool. a green thumb, so you'll see no plants in my no, house. No plants in the house, <laughs> but very capable, very confident, and, yeah. and always growing. And uh, yeah, yeah, I do I do like to learn. I read a lot. Uh, I study my craft professionally now mm-hmm. um, in technology. So um, I am, I do like to, I'm a collector of hobbies, and yeah. I like to learn things. So yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. That's cool. I think that's awesome. I like that definition. <laughs> it's definitely a new one. And you mentioned Marines there, so it'd be an injustice to not... Um, to not share a little bit more about that and, and again just thank you for your time and oh, your service and yeah. that yeah um i guess where do i start with the marine corps uh it was 2004 so three years after 9-11 okay. um, yeah. right upon the second invasion of well i wouldn't say the second invasion but the second push into baghdad fallujah mm-hmm. in those areas so that was the kind of time i went into the marine corps and then um two deployments in iraq and then lived in Europe for a bit, did some things over there, and then um, 
ended up coming back to the states and deploying to Afghanistan mm-hmm. after that, and did two tours there. So um, it's an interesting series and how how it unfolded. But uh, yeah, that was my time in the Marine Corps. In short, I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot a lot happens in ten years, as yeah. you can imagine. But maybe we'll we'll touch. Well, on yeah, that in we'll the, get into in the other that, I'm sure. There, but yeah. yeah, just to just to add that to your resume of uh, who you are as a, a giver and a carer for other people. Absolutely, and, uh, yeah, absolutely, definitely. So. So next one is, what is your favorite food? It's a great question. Uh, my favorite food, something that I would eat every day for the rest of my life and Ooh. not complain. All right. That's, that's I how like I define that. Okay, that, you know that's mean? good. Yeah. <laughs> we were having this conversation somewhere the other day yeah. and I was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. I don't know. I don't, I'm torn between sushi mm. or I'm torn between ramen or pho. Okay. Because I, I love some pho and okay. ramen. Okay. It, I will go to a specific place in Philadelphia to get ramen every single time I'm in Philly. All right, I'm gonna have to check that out then. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll, sh- I'll slide it to you in we'll text. Get, I don't we'll know if get, we can yeah. plug them right now. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, sushi's another one I could probably eat almost any time. Yeah. Uh, are you reading anything right now? Um, I am reading *Power of Vulnerability* by Brene Brown. Okay. Um, she's an author and a PhD. She has her PhD, and she's a teacher or a professor down in University of Texas, I believe. Mm-hmm. And she studies shame and power mm-hmm. of vulnerability in people. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty eye-opening because I'm a man of little. I, I don't. I don't necessarily know how to articulate my feelings very well. You as communicate most, most very men. well. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I, I communicate better. Let's just say that <laughs> I don't communicate well. I just just better. <laughs> so reading that book is adding a another. Uh, leg to the table so to yeah. speak uh, that's cool awesome all right i'm gonna i'm continually adding books to my list so i'm gonna have this never-ending list of books that i'm way behind on. oh yeah i mean <laughs> i read slow and it's mostly an audible book so oh, even better yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what would you say is your greatest fear hmm my greatest fear I think my greatest fear really hovers around my, my kids, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that changed the game a little bit when I had, you know, my sons. And my greatest fear is them inheriting an earth or a mm-hmm. world or a democracy or whatever we say that's in complete disarray to where they don't have the same opportunities, the same growth trajectory that we are fortunate to have right now. But mm-hmm. um, I just don't want them to kind of, my biggest fear is them experiencing the same hardships that uh, I had experienced and things like that, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That's yeah. That's fair. And and you have two of like the cutest boys. Oh ever man. Seen in my life. Yeah, the little models. I don't understand yeah. how I did that. <laughs> you did. You did well. You did well. They're adorable, and they're they're six and. They are five and seven now. Five and seven. Yeah, okay. Five and yeah. seven now. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah, you're you're in the thick of it. Yep. yep. <laughs> they haven't they haven't eaten me out of house and home yet. So. Not yet. Give them they, like five years. Yeah. Uh, then yeah. You're I'll done. Give it till puberty, and yeah. then. That boxes of cereal will be gone every day yeah and then you're just like it's good you're cute because we're in trouble (laughs) definitely what would you say that you value the most that's a good question Um, I think I would say I would I value most pervasively is is people's time right like Hmm. the fact that someone finds me capable or at least they're willing to sit down and spend hours minutes or whatever the, the time they have with me when they could be doing other things, right? Like that, that's where uh, really where I place value because you can't, time is one resource you can't get back. So if I spend a minute with, I don't know, person A, I definitely am 
prioritizing time with person A over person B. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's really no other way of looking at it. It's pretty objective, right? So I always value someone else's time or either my time or time spent. Um, and uh, it's highly regarded for me. As you mm-hmm. well know, mm-hmm. it's very hard to get a hold of me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're, you're in demand, which yeah. is a good thing. It just uh, does. Sometimes. It, it speaks to, I think it does, it speaks to how you, you do care for other people in the sense that you're willing to give your time so quickly. And so... It's not that you're hard to get a hold of because you're unwilling to be present, but it's hard to get a hold of because you're so willing to be present for so many people, and it splits it splits a little harder that okay, way. Make me look good. I like that. <laughs> it's not hard, <laughs> but no, that's cool. And I love that you said time, like other people's time, was the first thing that you mentioned there. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's that's really cool. Yeah, it's something we can't control necessarily. Yeah, and I think. It's something that's missed on a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome. When was the last time you felt joy? Oh man, last time I felt joy. I don't know. There's, I have the joyous the moment in life when my kids are born. I'm in the hospital, you know what I mean, and they pass me this warm, fuzzy <laughs> child that's crying, and that's that's joy. Mm-hmm. That's like lifetime joy. Mm-hmm. And then there's moments of joy. Uh, I would have to say, I, as you know, I was just in Joshua Tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were in Joshua Tree, right at Barker Dam, and the sun, the, the sunrise. And mm-hmm. I think I saw the sun come over, and it's it, that was joyous because that's like a moment. Mm-hmm. I a picture won't even do it justice. A video won't do it justice. Like I had to be in the moment, mm-hmm. and that's that's joy too. Is maybe mm-hmm. connecting a little bit more with nature. So the last time I spent. I felt a moment of joy was the sunrise, mm. and the last time I felt I felt or felt pervasive joy was mm. was when my kids. kids were born. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And you do you touch into that? I know I know we we talked about it briefly right before when you were going over the questions of like oh difference between joy and happiness. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And there yeah. is it's like that joy that like like you said it's 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 long lasting. It's like it's in there. It doesn't yeah. come and go. Yeah, and I, I like to make the distinction of joy and happiness like okay um i'm happy there's certain times i'm happy and there's certain times when i'm sad Mm -hmm. and i may not always be happy with my kids (laughs) but i'm joyous for them like i have they they fill me with joy Mm -hmm. whether i'm happy with them or not Mm -hmm. so happiness in my mind is more of a fleeting sensation meaning Mm -hmm. it comes and goes whereas joy is fundamental it's what where you lay in bed at night you rest your body and you're like ah this is like I'm joyful like this is there's joy in my life so that's cool I like that when was the last time you were afraid and why uh fear fear is interesting I'll make a dichotomy there's the fear of an outcome Mm. and then there's fear of an unknown right Mm. so I think of that fear in two different ways the last time I truly had a fear of an outcome was when I was in war, right? Like I feared the outcome. Mm. There wasn't, I mean, I could do everything I could and my team could do everything we could to prevent the outcome because we knew the worst possible scenario. Mm -hmm. That's fear in one sense of the word. So that was the last time I felt fear of an outcome. And then there's fear of the unknown. So you venture into something without an idea of what the worst case scenario is. But on the the other hand, you don't know what the best case scenario is either. So Mm. last time I had fear of the unknown, was when I went through my divorce, right? Like, mm. there was just so many unknowns. And no matter how many lawyers you pay, they're not <laughs> gonna tell you what the worst case scenario is, right? So, 
that was my fear, biggest fear too. It was like fear of unknown. The last time I felt that was going through my divorce and custody and that litigation is still ongoing, but like I, there's still fear that mm. just sits there mm. all the time. So, um, those are the last two times I've felt afraid. I, I really so. appreciate you breaking that down into two different, like, like present past and the way you did that. Like that's, that's a really whole answer and, and honest and open and power of vulnerability. Brene yeah. Brown, you, I'm telling you, you got to read the book. I love it. I'm, it's on my list. <laughs> yeah. 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 Would you say that there's a moment in your life that changed you or taught you something? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's been many moments in my life where there's been a paradigmatic shift in the way <laughs> I think, right? Uh, I think the first and the most monumentous is when my mom died when I was 13, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, going through the court systems and being an orphan and things like that, like, that changed that changed the game for me. Mm-hmm. That made me, at 13, I realized that no one's come to save me. Like, mm-hmm. and that's, it, I carry that motto that, yo, in 1999, I knew at 13 years old that, nope, there's not going to be a savior. Mm. There's, and the judge didn't do it when I was in court. And, like, when I was getting adopted, like, my adoptive parent really didn't save me. They, they honed and taught me how to be a functional adult. But at the end of the day, no one came and said, I'm going to take your pain away. Or I'm going to make this better for you. Or I'm going to alleviate any stressors that you might have. I had to do that all on my own. So that paradigmatic shift of what changed me and made me into the person I am today can be pinpointed down to me and my brothers being orphans at preteen, like 1999. Mm. So it was was interesting, but we're all relatively successful now. So like we had to band together, but I think that trauma is what really changed the game. Yeah, that's a huge moment. And that's such a pivotal time for so many too. Like your early teens, like kids that don't go through serious trauma like that loss like that a shift in homes and figuring that out and understanding that all at such a young age they're still a mess and so like like normal 13 year olds are a disaster and so (laughs) i don't know that yet but (laughs) they are i'll tell i'll tell mine not to listen to this episode but they are (laughs) exactly but yeah i mean there is so much there that to to realize that and to to go through that growth it's it's awesome and, and you have like I love that you said nobody's coming to rescue me no one's coming to save me that's on me but also that you're identified that someone did step in and you know give you the tools to continue on in life but it is it's like no one's rescuing you from your pain yeah no one's exactly. saving you from that and like that is something that no one can take away and I think a lot of people seek to find that in other people whether it be their partner whether it be their kids whether it be their spouse whether it be their gym partners whether it be the people they train with like People aren't, people aren't equipped to take someone else's pain away, right? Mm-hmm. Because essentially what that means is they're going to bear that pain themselves. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, apples to apples, no one's going to do No one yeah. is wants, people will probably want to do it, but at the end of the day, they go home alone or they slip in bed or they're alone with their own thoughts anyway. So, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, no one else can actually feel yeah, for exactly. you. You still have to feel yeah. it. or yeah. Precisely. Yeah. So, so. no. Well, thanks for, again, your vulnerability and your openness in that. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> what is something you think we have in common? Ooh, what do we have in common? Uh, I think our drive. Mm. I think we both have a fair amount of we're going to make a decision, we're going to go with it, and we're going to push it until we're pretty much forced to, to give it up, right? Like, that's just, I don't know, I wouldn't say we're stubborn, but, like, 
because we're mm. open to might be some truth in that one might be too <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> but we're open to subjective and objective opinions and we take it in and it might change the our way our way of thought mm-hmm. but the drive behind us wanting to accomplish something we're gonna do it mm-hmm. like if we get in our minds to do it i think we're it's the unstoppable happen. force yeah like there's no inertia we're we just gain it zero to 100 of inertia and we we go after it so that's awesome so i'd say drive is i where, like that that's where we cool find that's, common a, ground. that's an honor to have in common with yeah. you and, and yeah <laughs> i would say that uh for sure when you set your mind to something it happens oh yeah definitely yeah. It might be pain. It might be painful, <laughs> but it happens. Like leg days. In a, in a, <laughs> like, like leg days, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. What is something you are looking forward to? I don't know. I mean, I'm looking forward to the latter, the late stages. Of my, I'm only 35, so I'm not like 60-something, but I'm in a position, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I'm looking at the later stages of my career, like terminally being in a position where there's no more up, hmm. right, in terms of my career. So... I'm looking forward to planting a good solid foundation, building generational wealth for my kids. Like those are the things that I'm looking forward to investing, Mm -hmm. um, building these things that uh, are going to make my kids' lives and their kids' lives a little bit better, a little bit easier such that, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't experience the same hardships that, you know, Mm -hmm. we've experienced or I've experienced. So I think that's what I'm looking forward to in the next five to 10 years. That's cool. And again, like just to bring that back to to the point that like you said, like that your kids aren't going through what you went through in the sense that not that they don't learn how to be their own people or to, you know, work for themselves or do those things, but just that they don't feel like they're in a position where somebody has to come and take that pain away, that you're not giving them that, that you're giving them an ease and a a part of life that that is better than kind of what you had. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm still giving them the room and the freedom to mess up and cause their own pain Mm -hmm. and learn from that and grow from that as humans and people right but i just don't want the truly terrible things to impact them like poverty low socioeconomic statuses mm-hmm. illness because you don't have access to health care mm-hmm. like those things that are pervasive in areas that where i grew up uh and i just think eliminating those things aids to a better quality of life to where they don't have those things to worry about and yeah. their mind and their mind and their energy can be spent somewhere else yeah so. allowing them to grow in a, exactly in a allowing them to yeah be productive as opposed that's to awesome yeah you do a good job with that Eric. keep good their day. head above water yeah exactly yeah. I, I try i try <laughs> they still have christmas presents under my tree because everybody gives them christmas presents so, <laughs> so they're, they're doing fine yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> for sure uh what is something you wish was over already or maybe didn't exist in the world it's a tough one. What do I wish that didn't exist? I can be superficial about it, but I'm trying to think like more, yeah, more intellectually. And I know people can't see us, but like I'm black, you're white, so like <laughs> there's a fair amount of racism going I on am? this world. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, no one, you, you are surprised. No yeah, right. No, um, there's a fair amount of, and I wouldn't say it's racism, but it's definitely a blind spot of bias between two social groups or racial groups or ethnic groups. And it's not just in America, but it's more across the globe. And we've traveled a fair a fair mm-hmm. amount, and I'm pretty sure our total countries combined are somewhere in the hundreds. So, yeah, it's up there. Yeah, it's up there. So, like, I can tell you it's not just an American problem, right? It's not just our democracy or our republic. It's, it's a pervasive ex- thing that's in the world. Like, mm-hmm. whether it's Ukraine or Russia, whether it's any other different ethnic racial group or geographic group, I, I, I wish there wasn't a bias and how one group saw another group 
based on something as superficial and intangible as a human construct of race and territory and uh, it just blows my mind that entire institutions have been built around this type Mm -hmm. of dichotomy and I, I it blows my mind and I have no there's there's no good value there value isn't generated from that mindset and I just can't understand why it hasn't been deconstructed so yeah fully there's there's certain things in the world that we sit there and we go all right I, I can understand this or this makes sense and then there's certain things where you just go no there's just no reason yeah. there's no there's no logic there's no value there's no yep. and, and how are we still and like you said um it's a world thing it's not no it's not it does exist thing. it does exist here but it, it is a world thing it's yep. not we, yeah. aren't, we aren't new to it. So. No, yeah, definitely And I get, not. like, the primal evolutionary need of to protect your tribe, and there's some unknown and fear in that. But we became an agricultural we, society. We don't live in that anymore. No, we don't live in Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's not a... Yeah. We can go through agricultural reason. and industrial eras and post-industrial and capitalistic areas, mm-hmm. and we don't have that one tribe fears the other tribe anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, I think the world would be a better place if we could. I agree. View I humanity agree. as truly humanity. Hey, right? Exactly. Yeah, definitely. So, hmm. I mean, I don't care if you're biased against dogs and cats. Just not. I know people. that one. I, I think you and I are on the same page on that one. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. sorry, everybody who, yeah, has yep. a cat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry to anybody who has a meow. What would you say makes you feel known and valued? Uh, great question. And. Uh, I'll tackle the second piece because I don't I'm trying to wrap my head around what's what the idea of being known is but being valued I think in any situation whether it be social whether it be intimate whether it be professional you want to feel as though you as an individual are being heard understood and seen and that like you can truly bring your authentic self into those environments and not feel ostracized or pushed out right like and that's the base and I'm not gonna discuss Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the need of safety, <laughs> but like at the end of the day what makes a person feel valued and this is like kinda how I lead, whether it be on the battlefield or in the corporate setting, like I lead from a sense of service. Like I need to make sure that you you and, and me are valued in the sense that you are you bring your authentic self into whatever environment I'm asking you to bring it in. Mm-hmm. And then also that you feel heard, you feel understood, and that you you feel seen like, okay, I'm valued. Mm-hmm. And that's really where I, that's my three pillars of value that I, I carry with me throughout my entire life, really. Yeah, and you, you hit like as a leader, as a leader in, um, in the military, in the Marines, as a leader in work, and as a father too, like, and I'm sure with your friends as well, just, just demonstrating those three pillars that you value, demonstrating them, and, and knowing that the success you're going to have in each of those areas is, I'm sure, exponentially more than it would be. Do you not value those people in front of you? Do they not feel that they could speak up? Or Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think it's an accelerator in terms of your outcomes, right? Like, you can pour the same three things into a bucket and expect one, but if you can pour those three things into a bucket and expect three... That'd be ideal, right? And I think that's probably why I was successful both in on the battlefield and successful also in the corporate setting is that those things that make me feel valued 
I also bring into those environments and make those other people feel valued. And I don't deviate from that. I'm not just talking the talk. I'm also walking the walk because when I speak to my leaders, if I, or if there's a point where that value equation doesn't add up to me, I'll say mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. So that also leads people, okay, well, he has my back. And as soon as, they've, as soon as they know that, truly know that they have your back mm-hmm. or you have their, someone else's back, they'll follow you to hell with a toothpick knocking on the devil's door because not because you asked them to do it because Mm -hmm. they want to do it for you right Mm -hmm. like motivation and inspiration are two different things i can Mm -hmm. motivate somebody to do something extrinsically whether it be money whether it be food whether it be peanuts Mm -hmm. but if i can get you if i can intrinsically inspire you Mm -hmm. to do something i know for a fact you're going to do it and i don't have to sit there and chase you down i don't have to micromanage Mm -hmm. you you're going to do it because me and you have synonymous goal me and you are driving the same bus in terms of how we get value mm. and what makes us feel fulfilled. So, yeah, because you, as a leader, chose to sit down and figure out what they what they value and oh, what yeah, matters absolutely. to them and who they are. Yep. So, yeah. and just those little steps mm-hmm. make a world of difference. So, yeah, definitely. Oh, thanks yeah. for sharing that. I got There's you. a lot of value in that for <laughs> sure. Uh, where do you call home, and what makes it home to you? Oh man, no place is home to me. Are you kidding me, <laughs> oh, man? I I will call home any place I lay my head. To be honest, <laughs> I mean, that's one thing. Is I grew up in Bristol, PA. You know, on a Buckley Street, like somewhere socioeconomically is. I think our house was worth eighty thousand dollars or something in like in the eighties when we bought it, and then, you know, throughout time, like it ended up selling for like one hundred twenty. So it was only like a forty thousand dollars profit. So. You can tell the area. It's stunning. Demo. It's truly a stunning place, oh, yeah. area-wise. The <laughs> oh. town of Bristol overall, definitely. Yeah, Bristol's, yeah. Bristol's an amazing place. Like a street. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, you know, I don't know. But, yeah. Um, so uh, I don't call Bristol my home. I don't call Pennsylvania my home. I don't call California my home. I don't call any of the other myriad of places I've laid my head for hmm. a period of time home. Right? Like If somebody asks me where I'm from, I'll add, answer the question. But I don't truly have hmm. a home. I Hmm. I'm going to build that for my kids so that hmm. they have a place to call that. But, like, I don't truly believe I have a, a home hmm. in, the, in the broader sense. It's like, I do have a house, though. Do you have a house? I do have, do yeah, have, I a, do house. have a house. Okay. <laughs> so, hmm. yeah. No, that's a, yeah, it's a unique perspective for sure. Yeah. And you have lived, like, I know you lived in Finland for a bit. Oh, man, I lived in Finland. Um, obviously, Iraq, Afghanistan, California, Virginia, Bahamas. I've gone Iceland for a few months, Kuwait for a month or so, yeah. DC, like I've, uh, I've literally been everywhere. everywhere. So you're that, what was that? Like, I'm not going to sing, but there was like that commercial that like, I've been everywhere. There was like that, like little roaming anyways, dating <laughs> myself <laughs> back when there was like TV commercials and we didn't oh, have man, like, yeah, streaming yeah. services. I can't tell you the last time I saw a commercial. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Thinking about it. That was a while ago. Anyways, but yeah. yeah. All right. I'm digressing. <laughs> What is something you wish you didn't struggle with? I struggle a lot with actually communicating my emotions and how I feel. Like, mm. if, I, if I think that I'm feeling something that's in conflict with someone else, I will do my best to shove that down. And I'm not saying I'm going to bottle it or compartmentalize it until it blows up, but I'm going to explain it away to myself mm. as to why it's not important or not valid, right? Whereas I give everyone else the chance to explain why what they feel are valid and and meaningful to them and and what i'm doing that makes that conflict arise so i'm very external when it comes to conflict resolution but i'm not introspective in the sense of conflict resolution like 
Mm-hmm. So I wish I was a little bit better at communicating my feelings in such a way that I don't feel so conflicted internally hmm. for, for doing so. Hmm. So I think it's just that stems back to many, many childhood traumas and hmm. any myriad of other traumas from in the Marine Corps. You can't tell people how you feel, right? Like hmm. <laughs> you just had to do what you had to do. But hmm. uh, so I wish I didn't struggle with that. So hmm. but I'm learning. I'm learning. Yeah, you definitely are learning. And I would say, like, anyone listening that also maybe has ever been in the military or Marines or anything like that where the mindset is deal with it, don't feel anything, like, you've definitely come to a place in your life from at least who I know you to be that desires to be able to communicate and oh, express yeah. those feelings and feel those feelings and know that there's not there's not weakness in that and there's not inferiority in that. And uh, so I think that I would hope that would be encouraging to anyone listening in to know that, like, you are... You're a man's man, and <laughs> and there's no weakness in speaking up about that, and I love that you represent that. Oh, thanks. Appreciate that. I like that. Yeah, definitely. What is something you used to struggle with but don't anymore, or maybe have grown in? I used, what things I Oh, so, oh, man, this is a good one. <laughs> um, I was wildly impulsive. <laughs> I, I, I'm, visually, I'm shaking my head and like, <laughs> blinking He's like, oh, no. He's like, no. I have stories of times where I, have, I was extremely impulsive did not think about the ramifications the causal realities negative or positive externalities that would have have come from it but like truly truly extremely impulsive and it caused a lot of Hmm. a lot of things to go awry Hmm. let's just put and i think in my late 20s is when i kind of grew out of it um but there was a sense of like if i if any time I was any volatility or variance or unknowns in my life, I would literally be just do something super impulsive, super impulsive, like buy a car, like an expensive car, drive it in Scottsdale, Arizona, end up crashing it, and then impulsively taking the cop's pen and writing the wrong information, like just super impulsive, like, <laughs> and it's just things that just were firing off, like, all right, like why am I doing this? There's no reason why I'm doing it. I would. Me and my buddy used to wake up. We'd be have to be in formation on Monday, and it'd be Sunday night, and it would be a special that was going on in the club in in Corona, California, like hours away from us. And we would go to the club at Sunday or Sunday night, party, party it up, and then drive back to base Monday morning and just go straight to work, like stand in formation, just because we wanted to, like just because we wanted to. And it's taking plane rides to places that I have no business taking plane rides to. <laughs> Impulsivity is probably all right. Impulsivity yeah, and still yeah. shaking his head and uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get uh, you a few drinks somewhere and unpack some of those fun yeah, stories yeah. sometime. Now you're good. <laughs> uh, what is something you would say you're confident in helping someone else through or with? Yeah. So objectively, definitely technology, definitely finances. Like I'm very, very understanding and empathetic, and I can communicate very easily with people about financial situations whether it be starting a business, rolling businesses up, like that's what I went to school for ultimately, but mm-hmm. technology and finance more objectively, but subjectively, I think I, I, I do a good job at letting people feel like they don't need to have a guard up, mm. right? Like I'm not saying it's a good thing, but like sometimes it's a bad thing because people want their guards up for reasons, but I'm very good at peeling back people's guards and making them feel like, and usually I am, but like trust, I'm a trustworthy person. Like, hey, like, 
instilling that type of notion in other people, I'm very good at. Mm. So um, if people come in as professional, intimate, or social situations where they truly have a guard up and they need to peel it back, it's just having a, a quick conversation about why they might feel that way. Mm-hmm. And really working through the things they need to work through and mm-hmm. to where that guard's down and they can get the, the most out of their social, intimate, or professional relationships they really can, so. Yeah, I'd say that goes back to you, just, um, you know, those things that matter to you, like those pillars of value and, and just how you lead and, and who you are. And I think people trust you because you are trustworthy. Like, it's genuine. And, and there's always people in the world that, that can have someone take advantage of them, but... I think majority of us have, you know, a wall that goes up when we feel like someone's trying to take advantage of us. Absolutely. And that's not that is not who you are at your heart and at your, you know, at your core. So I think you're trustworthy and people feel that because it's genuine. Huh. So uh, it's a, like it's that. true. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So. I think it's good. All right. So this one again. So ten thousand dollars doesn't go too far, but if you had ten thousand dollars in two weeks, you need to spend it in. What are you doing? I need to spend it, or I you have I, to spend like it. gone, like zero dollars. Zero dollars. So no, no asset retention. No asset retention. No stocks. No crypto. No. Huh. Spending ten thousand dollars. What would I do? <laughs> have to have a zero balance at the end of the day, huh? Mm-hmm. I think I would donate it to schools for their mm. art programs. Mm. I think uh, I think one of the things that is law are lost in a lot of kids these days, and I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it get worse and worse is there our art programs are going away mm-hmm. kids are no longer playing instruments kids aren't experiencing the joy of creating art whether it be painting whether it be drawing whether it be music whether it be poetry whether it be mm-hmm. creative writing like no one I, I have it's very rare that I hear a kid when I say hey do you, you want to learn how to play piano and they're like no I don't want to learn how to play or they'll pick an instrument up just because they have to mm-hmm. or it's like a elective in their elementary or middle school and then it just gets dropped because mm-hmm. it's not interesting to them mm-hmm. right so i think i would give ten thousand dollars to an art program to come mm-hmm. up with a curriculum and a free curriculum for kids in underserved communities to start exploring artistic ways to you know manage their Learning. free time i love that and, and so i think there's something people should know about you when you speak about art and music specifically, you have some musical background there, right? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm a classically trained pianist. You are, yeah. Um, I play the cello, the violin, the guitar. Um, yeah, and just recently I picked up like painting. So, um, yeah, so I have a love for art as an outlet, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of video games or instead of the Twitter machine or <laughs> Facebook or Instagram, like, mm-hmm. and there's. I'm not going to discredit Instagram because some people are getting exposed to photography through Instagram, but yeah, yeah, my background's a little bit, I have a Mm -hmm. little, I'm an artsy, fartsy kind of guy sometimes, you know. Artsy, fartsy marine. Yeah, yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. So that's, that's what I would do with the 10 grand though, for sure. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. And yeah, you, you're one that, um, you've, you've posted like, anybody know who this, what this song is or things like these classical songs and it's like, yeah, so you do, you have some. You have some things in there, some hidden musical uh, interests and talent that I think people wouldn't pick, no, which is no, no. awesome. I love that. From from first glance, you're like, man, that's a that's a big guy. But at the end of the day, I'm playing Bach and Chopin and Beethoven on the piano. Stereotypes <laughs> were not meant to exist. That's true. <laughs> or at least broken. 
Is there anything you wish you could say to somebody you love, but feel like maybe they aren't ready to hear it? Maybe it wouldn't be absorbed as you intended, or maybe they're just in the wrong place in life to appreciate it. Yeah, I think it's just I'm not mad. I think Mm. I'm not mad is the only, Hmm. right? There's a lot of people, and this person in particular that I'm thinking about, they come in and out of my life, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's a deep connection with this, this person, but, like, they shouldn't be coming in and out of my life because hmm. we live the same existence, right, for, yeah. for the most part. So I think people tend to, if somebody, if people think someone's mad at them, mm. they'll pull back. Yeah. And that just further exacerbates the disconnect from the other individual, right? So... Mm-hmm. Rather than avoiding the potential or what you fabricate in your mind as a conflict that's happening, mm. just ask, right? Like, it's easy to ask someone, are you mad at them? They can give you the facade and be like, no, I'm not mad. Mm-hmm. But you know it's a facade. Like, mm-hmm. you just, in your gut, you know. Mm-hmm. But, like, the one thing I would say right now is, like, I'm not mad because I truly am not. If someone asks you if you're person. mad and you answer that question, you mean your answer. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so there yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely tell you if I'm mad. You'll t- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, that is, that is, I've seen that even in relationships in my own life where, you know, somebody can feel something, whether it's communicated or not, and it creates a problem that yeah. maybe didn't exist. But yeah, it's a yeah. very, it's a very real thing that a lot of us Psychologically, they're like, well, withdrawing is bad. Mm. Disengaging is good, but withdrawing mm. is bad. And I think people tend to withdraw when mm. they think they're going to start conflict and yeah it's they like, don't communicate and disengage correctly we so. all want to avoid things that feel uncomfortable for yes, sure especially yep. with other people Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so um is there anything that you feel like would be hard for you to hear that's true about yourself from somebody you love yeah but i've been told i've been told it but it's every time <laughs> i've been told it, it's very hard to hear it, but mm-hmm. i make command decisions and I make command decisions for the broad group because I am mm-hmm. uncomfortable with indecisiveness. Mm-hmm. Also, plays a little bit to my impulsivity, but <laughs> I I will make a command decision for a unit. Mm. Whether that is objectively good mm. at the end of the day is an unknown, right? So, mm-hmm. but I, I will make a decision. I will live with the decision. So mm-hmm. people have told me many times in the past and people who have resurfaced are like, you shouldn't have done this because these are all the things that I went through mm. and I just didn't have the foresight or understanding or perspective to consider that other person or those other other people in the in the decision. So yeah, I'm I, I'm quick to make a decision. And mm. I think there's a lot of ramifications that one can draw from that. And every time someone does tell me about it, most recently my girlfriend, it's <laughs> it's been it's it's hard to hear. Mm-hmm. I understand it and I yeah. know where they're coming from but I'm sure there was a need for that in certain aspects of your life um, but I'm sure the transfer of that again it's a learning process to realize that that doesn't transfer over to my That's personal true. relationships yes. as much as it did for my unit here yeah very true yeah. very true so I'm yeah. definitely learning the definitely awareness learning. Is, ama- so. is is it's amazing and it's huge and it's like yeah. it's, it speaks a lot to your your openness and your willingness to grow as a person so yeah, definitely yeah. learning what would you say makes you feel at peace this is going to tie a little bit to our drive right like mm-hmm. what makes me feel at peace with whatever decision i make whatever outcome that i uh, whatever whatever situation i'm going through mm-hmm. is that i don't have a regret in the sense that mm-hmm. i didn't try hard enough or i didn't do this to the best of my ability or i didn't do this what makes what gives me peace is that no matter what i embark on 
I'm going 100%. Hmm. Because it it discredits my time in, in, in the pursuit of that endeavor if I don't give it 100%. Mm-hmm. And as we both said, we're drive, and my biggest value is time. So I don't want to disservice myself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to disservice anyone else that I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. So it brings me peace at the end of the night, even if I fail completely and miserably, and is I, I tried. And there is no... I tried and like I did 100% or 110% or I, I gave it everything that I could so yeah. that's what gives me peace is I know that there's no my life isn't the way it is as a result of lack of effort or hmm. I don't not have the things that I don't have as a result of lack of effort so mm-hmm. not having regret I mean yeah I don't I don't regret much except for those yeah. impulsive decisions yeah. <laughs> <back in the laughs> yeah. we all gotta have those yeah. but yeah no that's cool for sure would you say that your life feels steady or uncertain right now do I ha- is it black and white? Uh, More yeah, I mean, I'm steady. Not necessarily, I'm I steady say, in yeah. some senses. Sometimes Financially, I'm is. pretty steady. Mm-hmm. Uh, socially, I'm pretty steady. I have my circle. Um, but there's always uncertainty, right? I mean, yeah. there's illness is uncertain. You never know what you're going to wake up next. Like what you're going to wake up to. Not. I hope you know who you're going <laughs> to wake up next to. But no. Um, yeah, you don't know what you're going to wake up to. Um, and what hardships are facing you. So mm-hmm. th- there's no point in what ifing yourself to death, but steady with the uh, tangible things, yeah. Cool. So. That's cool. Yeah. So this one seems to always be a bit of a loaded question, but um, is there anything you wish you could say to the opposite sex that maybe would be socially unacceptable or maybe socially they wouldn't hear or maybe because of who you are, they wouldn't take it as you intend it? to the opposite sex um I mean up until very recently I was dating in my 30s so like the only thing I would have to say to them is like yo <laughs> there's two different universes of existence there's a woman's universe of existence and there's a man's universe of existence <laughs> and those are night and day like just and I'm just from what I've observed right and when I talk to my female friends about dating and and you know professional world and two completely different universes and i mm-hmm. think so many people try to draw a comparison of what a 35 year old man should be doing versus what a 35 year old woman should be doing mm-hmm. but i'm just here to say like women there's it does an injustice us trying to compare ourselves to you and the same vice versa mm-hmm. like a woman shouldn't try to compare her existence to a man's because it's truly like night mm-hmm. and day mm-hmm. and I can get into the more minutiae, but... Celebrate your differences. Yes, exactly. Wow. Just, just You ain't got to try to be like, you know, I don't know, John Smith. Just be Jane Smith and mm. relax. Be yourself. <laughs> Do the best you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that for sure. All right, so if 10,000 people are listening to you, and if public speaking is a fear, we'll pretend that that part of it doesn't exist. But if you have a, a large group of people in front of you, is there a bit of wisdom or something you would like to share with them or feel that it would be valuable for them to know? Uh, yeah, just find your why. Hmm. Find your why. Everybody is navigating this life one day at a time, one foot at a time, one step at a time. A lot of people are doing it without purpose and without intent. And that leads to a person being drawn in many different directions, right? Like, Mm -hmm. find your why and be true to your why. Because if you're not true to your why, you tend to fall into these traps. These traps of perception. These Mm -hmm. traps of fitting in. These traps of trying to 
be something you're not. And it's very easy to find your why, and sometimes it can be very difficult to find your why, and sometimes your why isn't very well articulated, but you can just feel what you, you need to do. Mm-hmm. Latch on to something, hmm. find your why, hmm. and and just make that a bedstone for which you build your castle, right? Like, mm. Yeah. So... Just find your why. That's all a lot of value in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a reason. Find your why. Exactly. What is something you wish people knew about your culture? Uh, yeah. So, culture, culture. Hmm. That's unique because I don't, I don't really think my culture mm-hmm. is as instilled in me as it could have been. Mm-hmm. Just because of my child rearing days, right? Yeah. Like, I was torn away from it, but if I had to find something as to I wish people most understood about me personally and the mm. things that I do things from day to day is I'm very uh, purposeful I'm very mm. intentful like I don't I don't say things I don't mean I don't do things I don't want to do like my intrinsic my Silas culture is mm. pursue the things that are going to and do the things that are going to continue to add value mm-hmm. to your like to my life personally or to my mm-hmm. life the lives of other people I care about um, and there, there's no wasted, there's no wasted movement, right? Like mm. I'm very calculated and mm-hmm. I tend to try to do things. This is me trying to work through my own impulsiveness, own impulsivity, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's what I would say about understanding more around who Silas is from a cultural mm. perspective. No, I appreciate that. How about as far as, is there anything you wish, um, that you love about your culture? However you, again, however you would, whether that be within Soul food, country. Baby. Yeah. Soul food. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm black, but like, yo, Popeye's chicken is fire. <laughs> no, soul food for sure. Mm. Like, I love fried chicken. I love mm-hmm. collard greens. And mm-hmm. I mean, I will, I will eat pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. It's just what it is. But mm-hmm. fried chicken gives me a sense of peace. And so does collard <laughs> greens. And so does macaroni and cheese. And <laughs> hot sauce on everything, as you know, as you well know. But. Yeah, I think that's the one thing culturally I can tie down and be like, yes, yes. Love that, yeah. Soul food, for sure. Food is, is directly to a lot of our hearts, for sure. Exactly. Definitely. Hmm. Is there anything that you're not proud of about your culture? I just think how easy we as a people hmm. fall into traps, right? Like, whether it be black-on-black crime, whether it be a drug pandemic, whether it be opioid pandemic, opioid crisis, or whatever they're calling it now, but like, as a unit we're not behaving as a as a people as a hmm. as a culture so that's the only thing i can think of it i mean i've been told many times in my own social setting with my own people of like color that i don't sound a certain way or i don't behave a certain way and therefore i've been ostracized but then you know 10 years later they're accepting me because i have information around finances or investing and we have to bolster our people up and i, I there shouldn't be a dichotomy or a divisiveness in our own group of people. Like we should find solace, understanding, and comfort mm-hmm. in in our likenesses rather than mm-hmm. rather than looking at me and be like, "You don't sound black," and I'm like, "But did, would you know if I sounded purple or red <laughs> or green?" Like, so um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the only thing I I would yeah. rubs me the wrong way. I wouldn't say I hate it, but no, I would no, just no, rubs yeah. me the wrong way. So. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of value in connecting similarities with people within our own cultures, and and even like you said earlier, bringing up wishing that racism really didn't exist or yeah. wasn't present in the world, and how how that really kind of almost stems from wanting to have that tight knit 
openness between us and how yeah, yeah we can almost create conflict it, there it's interesting because I equate it to you can have two people who are prisoners of war two completely different sects of people and just because they went through the same misery just because they've mm-hmm. went through the same pain because they have the same hardships and the same trauma mm-hmm. they become a quote unquote group of people right mm-hmm. a group of people are could be prisoners of war in this instance we're talking about culturally black people as it relates to African Americans because mm-hmm. we came here under the same hardships mm-hmm. under the same experiences we had those same experiences and therefore we banded together as a group of people and what we're doing now from a cultural perspective is we lost that connection right while we're still commiserating together we still go to the same traumas and hardships and things like that we are now saying oh well you're not really hmm. black because you don't sound black or because you don't speak in abonics or whatever african-american vernacular english or whatever it might be right um and i think that's what's really sowing seeds of further discontent and hmm. distrust and Mm-hmm. in our quote-unquote group of people. So mm. I tie people to being... Mm. We, we live to the same shit show, so to speak. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. No, I, I very much appreciate your perspective, and yeah, I think it's it's uh, it's awesome to be able to, to hear that and just listen to, to where you're coming from, for sure. Thanks. Yeah, you spoke briefly on, um, on, on war as well in there, and I know we've talked about a little bit of your history with the Marines, but... Um, you, you had you had quite an experience there um, oh, yeah. and so I don't know if it's uh, and again forgive me if not but is it fair to ask any questions as far as just any more of, of how that experience was I know you came out of that with some commendation as well um, yeah yeah so um, let me let me lead off with saying that war is not something that should be sought after mm. right and I I can't articulate any better that it's truly the worst in humanity Mm-hmm. And you're asking these 18, 19-year-old kids to go through this experience where they're going from high school and sometimes college, and you're throwing them into war and death and inhumane things, and mm-hmm. you see literally the worst in humanity. So war shouldn't be something we seek after or want as a culture or as a people or yeah. even as America as much as we like to flex our muscle, but... So let me lead off with that. And in terms of my experiences, I have spent just as much time in combat zones as most people spend to spend in college, right? Like mm-hmm. I did four nine-month tours, um, very austere conditions. There was a point in time where I lived in a hole for 70 days, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, that, I mean, there's – my experiences weren't unique during that time frame because we were in two conflicts as a country. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of Marines experience the same things that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, I was blown up five times. Thank, I mean, I have all my limbs and digits and stuff like that. Maybe not as many brain cells, but they seem intact. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely, definitely came back with uh, some scars. So, like, I have residual mm-hmm. scarring on my legs, and um, it definitely makes me hyper aware and hyper mm-hmm. alert. Um, I do suffer from a little bit of PTSD. You know, I've done exposure therapy. I've gotten the appropriate treatments. I've done mm-hmm. biofeedback. I continue to monitor my, you know, whether or not it's a flare-up or not because mm-hmm. a lot of people have a stigma around us coming back, and mm-hmm. I always equate it to, yeah, we're, we're people, and it's raining outside, but we're not the rain. Like, mm. the way you handle the rain it should yeah. be different than the way you handle a person being rained on, right? Mm. So... My experiences were very, very 
a lot of Marines experience the same thing I did. So, I mean, yeah. it's just very interesting to see, you know, whether we're at special operations and things like that. Like, when people get out, it's more of like a pissing contest and mm-hmm. less of a, less of a, oh, let's welcome the person back and things mm-hmm. like that. So, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I went to war. Yeah. No, <laughs> <Came> I, <home. laughs> and I bring that up because I do think, um, you know, there is. I, I appreciate so much your perspective on saying it should not be a desire to go to war. There's nothing. There's nothing beautiful in that. No. It's the worst of the worst. It brings out the worst in all of us. And, yeah. uh, but, but that uh, that sacrifice that you that you put out there and and physical uh, to your body, but also mentally. And again, I, I can't say enough to how uh, how grateful I am that you're willing to speak up. Uh, for anyone to hear um, just about the, the, the normalness that needs to be accepted in, in caring for your mental health and making sure you're okay that it coming back should look like asking how you guys are feeling instead of like, yeah, my story tops that story yeah, and yeah. this, that, yeah, yeah. And, and just the, the care you have for that. And, and then how you did come out of that. Um, yeah, there is there was recognition for you in your service there. And I think that's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, combat action ribbons, some purple hearts, you know, some, yeah. some commendations. I was... Yeah. I always think to myself, I was like, if I went back in, I'd, I'd have quite the ribbons hmm. and medals on my shirt rather than, you know, so. Yeah, but I know that was never your intention. I know that was never oh, your goal. No, but no, I think yeah. I think it does allow people to hear um, just a little bit more of of the way you are, are humble and the way you are not speaking to just... You know, I'm dragging this out of you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dragging this out of you, and it's not something that you're you're promoting. That's that's good about how you you know something you really value in yourself or that you've accomplished. And I think I think it's awesome that that you view it that way. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. uh, Just grateful to know you and grateful for what you share. You're awesome too. Not so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Would you say that you feel like you have a purpose in life and that you know what that is oh yeah yeah yeah. i found my why um i know exactly why i wake up in the morning i know exactly why i take why i do the things i do um my purpose changed a little bit when i had kids Mm. um originally pre pre pre-kid and let's put it that way for lack of better terms there's there's two parts of the world for parents like before before and and after after. Yeah, yeah So pre-kid, my purpose and my intent was to really accomplish things that my mom didn't graduate from high school. So like accomplish things from an educational perspective, a socioeconomic perspective, and also my impact on those people around me, right? I always want to bring my team up. Like if you're on my team, you know it. And I want to bring you up with me. I want to instill in you the same mindset that I, I have and I carry with me. And I learned very early on that that's what I wanted to do. Hmm. And whether it's what I studied, whether it's, you know, transferring that amount of knowledge, transferring that amount of those, as much skills as I could transfer, Mm -hmm. but also to make you, my team feel like they're not being left out, right? Mm -hmm. So that was my purpose and why is to really achieve and establish a foothold for me and my family and my team um, in the world. And then when I had kids, whose <laughs> kids, I'm like, keep them alive. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> that, that, no, no, that's no, the no. goal. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. Keep them alive. No, um, no now, it's, now it's more along the lines of I want them to experience and have as much social, just as much diversity as they can get mm. in their life. Like, I don't mm. care if it's you're going you're gonna to go swimming, you're going to go from swimming to boxing, you're going to go from boxing. Like, I'm about to kick them off in jiu-jitsu. Like, I got them <laughs> ukis for Christmas. Like, Bye. 
I want them to experience as many things as possible to where they're not pigeonholed that mm. when they make a decision around what they want to pursue and mm. when they finally get to their why they're doing it from a place of great perspective and mm. great they're not missing anything right mm. try it all and figure out what you want to do and what you're passionate about and that's really hard for people coming that, that was really hard for me as a kid let's just put it that way mm-hmm. that was very hard for me as a kid because my first exposure to sports or my first exposure to money was you know mm. late high school so mm-hmm. you know when people ask me what I want to do when I got to college or, or when I got in the Marine Corps I'm like I do I don't know <laughs> I don't even know what's out there like, what are you talking about you're like what are my options yeah. <laughs> I was 26 and somebody said the term accounting to me for the first time mm. and I was like what do you mean accounting I was like, what does that mean mm. so yeah yeah, I think that's such a gift that we can give our kids and, and such a valuable one to say, like, I want you to know that I support you and I want you to know every single option so that when you choose one, you really know what your options were. You yep. really know it was really a choice. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't get steered there. Yeah. You didn't yeah. do it blind. You didn't do it because I didn't succeed yeah. at it. You didn't you, do it because yep. I, yeah. You came from a place of true understanding. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, do you have a favorite tattoo and why? Yeah, my chest, my chest piece. Okay. My chest, it's an ambigram. It can be read forward, backward, upside down, and in a mirror. Oh, cool. Um, and it says love and pain. I was very young when I got it, so mm. I think I was going for like a breakup or something. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's my favorite one just because mm. it's relevant, right? Mm. Like you can't have one without the other. Sunshine and rain, love and pain. Like you just, and I think there's like. A lyric somewhere for like that. I don't know. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. It's not coming to me right away, yeah, so you it can claim it. My tattoo wasn't super original, <laughs> but <laughs> by no means. But it's still one that holds a lot of relevance, is because mm. relationships, cool. regardless, of it, aren't all sunshines and rainbows. So that is true. That, that's cool. Is there um, anything that you feel particularly proud of that you've accomplished in your life? I'm proud of where I am in life. Like that's where I derive pride from. Mm-hmm. I work with pride. Like mm-hmm. I have pride in my work, and that when people see something in my in my life, they're like, "Yeah, this is this scream Silas, right?" Mm-hmm. Like it's my signature, the way I carry myself, and mm-hmm. and the things I do in my life. So mm-hmm. my pride doesn't stem from any one accomplishment. It just stems from the aggregate amount of all the things that I've done that led me to me sitting here in a pizza shop with you because <laughs> that's what I'm most proud of is mm. I get to go home to a nice house I have I don't want for anything I don't there's mm. not you know there's not a need that I have that's not being satiated um, I'm grateful for where I am in the world but I'm also proud that I got here from being an orphan with a mom who didn't graduate from high school so yeah as you should be yeah. you, you've worked very hard um, just as a human being and uh, as an individual. So, thanks. If you were to have three talents that you don't possess, you're quite. You know, I'm, I'm bragging about you a little bit here, but you know, <laughs> we've we've done a lot in life. Classically trained musician, um, very very intelligent within your work. Things that I my brain can't comprehend. Um, but is there three talents that you wish you had that maybe you don't have? I wish I learned more languages. My brain has the aptitude for it because I can read sheet music fairly well. But if I were to have a talent, it would be learning languages. I, I think I took four years of Spanish and trust me. <laughs> it didn't stick. <laughs> yeah, it didn't stick. Um, so language and a proclivity towards learning languages would be one. I wish I was more of an empathetic person. Hmm. I 
I do have empathy. I'm not a sociopath or anything no. like that. But <laughs> empathy in the sense I'll that... I'll speak to that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Empathy in the sense that I still behave and act while I understand what you're going through, and I empathize with you. I still have to make a decision that's, in my mind, beneficial for the whole, right? Mm. So, and I wish I could convey that my empathy to someone else. Um, and I, th- I truly think that's a talent. Like, mm. I... I, tr- I, I don't meet a lot of people with true empathy, mm-hmm. but like I, I truly think it's a talent, and that's mm. one of the talents that I would mm. want to have more of, right? Emotional mm. intelligence, like things like that. So, and the last or the third talent, um, interior design, like looking at a wall and being like, oh, this will go well here, and this will mesh with all the other things that are going on in my house. Because right now, if you walked in my house, it's... <laughs> It's wild right now. Like you're like this. A dude lives here. Like a dude lives here. It's it's pretty insane. Um, I'm not very good at interior decorating or design or picking out which color fits well in the wall. I'm I'm good at doing it. Okay. But I'm not good at deciding that. Fair enough. For all your decisiveness, it falls. It doesn't. It doesn't continue on there. Oh no! No no no! <laughs> My TV console, some weird mirror thing, and I have like, oh, it's it's bad. <laughs> It's bad. That's cool. I love those. Um, I think uh, I would definitely be very much in that same boat with the languages. Like that is like everybody was always like, well, you know, what would your superpower be? And I'm like, speak all the languages in the world. Like I think that would just be the coolest thing. Yeah, so for sure. You definitely, it's not too late to start. Pick one up. I'm gonna. I'm, okay. All right. This is my challenge for you. Right. I don't usually give anybody challenges, but you're the first one. We're yeah, giving you a challenge sweet. now. Yes. All right. All right. Um, I'll follow you. I'll follow up with you on that one. Deal. <laughs> yeah. Very basic sentences. All right. That's what I'll have to do. Perfect. We'll do it. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want others to know about you or what matters to you? No, I think what matters to me and what is what matters to pretty much everyone, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I might be the one on this podcast, but I do have an understanding <laughs> that like other people and uh, people listening to this podcast also have their own intrinsic and extrinsic motivators and mm. things they internalize and think deeply about and ruminate on. So, I mean, I just want to share, want to do my best to share my experiences and my insights and hopefully some of those insights help them through a lot of mm. those friction points that they're experiencing experiencing today or tomorrow or in the future, right? Because mm. we're all people and we're all we're all in this world together we're all walking the same path different destinations but mm-hmm. we're all trying to we're all trying to figure shit out right? so, <laughs> very much so yeah. now i think you um yeah thank you thank you for your time and for being here i think you've done an, an incredible job of just sharing that and giving people uh just a chance to get to know a piece of you and a part of your story and a part of your life and it's a fraction like i know somebody mentioned once when they were on they're like I, afterwards they're like i feel like what if i what if i miss something and i'm like there is no way that in one conversation we could ever encapsulate the entirety of an individual of what of who they are but exactly, it's yeah. a taste and it's a piece and and i think um i'm just so grateful for the time you've taken to share uh to share part of you with me and yeah no thank you yeah. and I'll, I'll, i'm gonna try to beat you in chess next time all right we we'll play, see so <laughs> <laughs> i'm not giving up that one easy yep, and no you will not I know that, so but yeah well thank you again silas thank you appreciate here. it Thank you for tuning in to This World My View. Your reviews are what keep this show going. So if you have a moment, I would so appreciate you just taking a second to write a review. Anything from, I really enjoyed this, or something you took away that changed your perspective or impacted your life, or something you connected with. 
If you have a chance to share that on social media and tag me and the show in it, I would greatly appreciate that. I just want to thank you also for just being a part of my world and community here at This World My View.